Well, good evening. Great to, uh, to be with you all and a uh, great topic, uh, talking about uh, teenagers and the, the great teens that God has given to our community. And um, there's probably tons to say about it, I, you know, so I'm just going to uh, give you the thoughts that the Lord gave me this round. Um, so... Um, uh, by way of introduction, I wanted to just to say, you know, our church uh, believes in um, the baptizing of infants, and uh, we believe in what's called covenant children, that from childhood we regard children as a part of God's family and who, uh, as children who need to be discipled. And um, as long as our church has been, uh, throughout our church's history, though, I've always known that our church started with lots of young kids. And as they all grow into teens, I know some of the um, neat and tidiness of saying all these kids are Christians will get shaken because as teenagers come into their own age, they are going to think for themselves and they got to decide, like, what do I believe? And uh, not just what do my parents believe? And I don't think that uh, negates our, our approach, but I think that a lot of what happens in other traditions where, you know, when kids enter into adolescence, they, they accept Christ or they, uh, you know, get saved or, you know, and there might be different ways of describing what's happening in that transformation um, but I think uh, there's not a formula, but teens need to go through a transition in this age where their faith becomes their own. It's their own personal devotion to the Lord, and it's not just because their parents uh, bring them to church. And uh, I personally believe that uh, deeply in, in the depth of what's happening in teenagers. I became a Christian. I was 16. Um, struggling with, you know, depression and poor life choices. And, and yet at 16, I could really start thinking about the scriptures, about who God is and what sin is and what does it mean to, to trust God. And um, very profound, you know, insights that have shaped my whole life. And they happened in those, those teenage years. And so it's just such a special and, and crucial, crucial time and it's an opportunity where, where teens begin to think for themselves independently of their parents. And uh, in fact, I think if you feel, those of you who have teens, that there, there's a distancing that happens and that might be cause fear for you as the distancing happens, that's to be expected. And in fact, the Bible acknowledges that. Um, you know, the Bible's a very family friendly book. You know, the Israelites really were the, tied closely to the household and the head of the household. And, and so uh, there's a deep importance on family. And yet one of the first things that happens in the Bible, the first acts of faith is God tells Abraham, I want you to leave your father's house, leave your homeland, leave your kindred, and you're going to go to a place that I'm going to show you. It's actually a breaking away of family. Jesus says the same things to his disciples. Unless you hate your father and mother, you cannot follow, be my follower. There is a distance that needs to happen with our children from us. And I think that as, as parents, if we resist that, 
we will probably just aggravate it more. <laughs> They're going to have to rip themselves apart if we don't let the ripping happen. And, uh, but if we embrace that that distancing is happening, we can begin to have uh, just a real influence on their lives, which is a different kind of influence than when they were young. So um, I think that uh, part of understanding that is that God has his own plans for his children, uh, for our children, for his, that's actually, they're his children, and uh, he has his own plans for them. My children are not me. I need to understand that, and they need to understand that, that they are not me. And uh, God in his providence has his own purposes for them. And so uh, this morning as I was getting ready for this talk, I was talking to Shannon, and, and she uh, gave me a good encouragement, a reminder that, uh, you know, we place so much weight in parenting. Um, I, I know that for me. If there's something that in life feels like could be the big failure is like if I fail as a parent. And, and so she was just reminding me that our righteousness is in Christ. Our righteousness is not in our parenting. And if we look to our parenting for righteousness, then what the burden that we're placing on our children is that how things go in this relationship, my whole value as a person is wrapped up in that. And we are putting a weight on our children that they cannot bear. That is a weight that only Christ can bear to be the one responsible for our righteousness. And so uh, that's the place to start, to internalize our own identity in the gospel. I also want to say that as we enter into parenting, I think our greatest model is God himself, who in the scriptures is called our father. And uh, one of the things that you, you see in, in the scriptures is that Israel, God's people, was God's son. And it says that basically over history, Israel was like growing up. And so when they were in the Old Testament under the law, they were like a children who had, it says they were even enslaved by this law because it was very detailed all of their life. And then when the fullness of time came, when they grew into adulthood and Christ came, God's people entered into freedom. And the difference, one of the big differences you see between the New Testament and the Old Testament is there's more principles about love your neighbor, uh, love the Lord your God, and now within a lot of freedom you have to fulfill the law of Christ. Whereas there's much more detailed, the you know, clean and unclean laws and the sacrifices that were a part of the childhood. So what's happening from childhood to adulthood is freedom is coming. And so we have to recognize that that's what's happening is um, other... other uh, other people I've heard say, you know, moving from discipline to discipleship. Um, but I think that's the real principle of what is happening. How do we interact with teens as they enter into this stage of freedom? So this evening I want to uh, give you three uh, charges, challenges, I don't know, uh, three thoughts um, uh, about uh, parenting teens. And um, let me give one caveat before I enter into those three. Um, I think the first is, the, the, in a church context, the challenge of the, the difference between uh, wisdom and legalism. Um, there are certain biblical principles that we have to, as Christians say, we have to obey those and do them. And then how those biblical principles get played out there's a lot of stuff we got to make up. 
And we have to understand that I know when I'm, you know, entering into parenting, I always want to ask people, what would you do? What would you do? And it's really helpful. So I need to do some of that to tell you, hey, here's some things that I do. Take it or leave it. This panel is going to tell you some, here's some things that are helpful. These are things that we've done. Might be helpful. But those aren't written in the scriptures. And so we don't want to turn those into the law of God, but as helpful, you know, uh, helpful counsel that might, that might help you out. Um, so we want to keep that. If we turn all, this, all these uh, ways that we do parenting into God's law, that's what creates a legalism. And so, so we want to avoid that. Okay, also I want to say I am somewhere between zero and 100% effective in everything I'm about to tell you. <laughs> so uh, I'm with you. This is I'm preaching to myself, all that. So... Uh, um, so anyways, okay, so three thoughts for you today on parenting teams. The first is, um, as parents, we have to begin with ourselves. Parenting teens means beginning with ourselves. And uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 15 says this. Paul says, uh, Paul says this. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel, I urge you then, be imitators of me. So he describes his relationship to the church as, as a father, and he says that that relationship is about imitation. And so parenting is about imitation. And it's uh, if we want our children to joyfully serve the Lord, one of the best things that we can give them is a joyful picture of the blessing of knowing God and trusting in his promises. And so the question is, do our children see us trusting and praising God when, when life is difficult? Do they see us speaking God's word as the answer to life's questions? Do they see us principled in our decision-making? And do they see us uh, loving and gentle because we've experienced Christ's love and gentleness with us? This whole picture is the most important thing. Our personal holiness, our personal, the fruit of the gospel working in our own lives is the best thing that we can give to our children as parents. And so what does that mean? Let me just give a few thoughts on what that might look like. I think that a starting place, which I think is, is simple, is that worship on Sunday is a non-negotiable. That's a good place to start as a parent. You know, actually, in the Ten Commandments, right before honor your father and mother, is keep the Sabbath day holy. That's the, how you start getting into honor your father and your mother. And, uh, you know, this is especially, we live in a culture, sports is a big part of parenting teens. I have uh, daughters playing volleyball right now. They have a tournament this Sunday. And, um, and I don't think the Bible says you can't play volleyball on Sunday. But the Bible does say you need to keep the Sabbath day holy. You need to worship God on the Sabbath day. And, um, and so I think, uh, you know, sports, of course, is one of the great idols of our society. It's now been pressed into the day of worship. It's filled the day of worship. You know, football has filled the day of worship. And so we should expect that the idols of our culture will come in conflict to uh, the worship of the true God. And so we have to resolve that in our own hearts, that if, we, you know, if our house worships the Lord, 
this is where it counts most. And I think one of the things that, that is important to understand, I think many times parents and children don't understand what's happening on Sunday morning. I mean, sometimes if we think what's happening on Sunday morning is, you know, well, we go, we see our friends, we hear an inspiring talk, we sing some songs, we got kind of spiritually filled up, and then we went home. You know, what's, we, don't, we could miss that for a week. But if we understand that our creator and king has ordained a meeting with us, and he says, you will appear before me uh, on this day as my people, and I'm going to speak my words to you, and, you're gonna, and we're gonna, I'm going to feed you, and I'm going to give you the grace that you need to live. You cannot leave without this. Would we just say, well, you know, I, I could meet with the Creator or not? We wouldn't. Are we, that we're entering the throne room of God when we come into worship. And so uh, I think when we understand that, you think about if you had a job and the CEO of your company was like, you know, Wednesday at 10 o'clock, you have a meeting with me. And I want to make clear all my expectations to you and remind you what this business is about. Would you be like, well, you know, if I don't have anything else to do, I, I will be there. No, you'd say that's the most important meeting of my week is I need to be ready for the meeting with the CEO. That's what's happening on Sunday morning. And so our kids are knowing our worship, what we worship about Sunday morning. So worship on Sunday is non-negotiable. Second... I think the, the development of our own personal disciplines, and I, I won't say too much about this, but I think um, we, that might not register for us. Like, how do I parent teens? Do I have a practice of prayer and personal devotion reading the scriptures? They might seem like totally different things. But if they seem like totally different things, then we're assuming that I can parent my teens on my own power and wisdom. I mean... Could we parent our teens without praying? Oh, <laughs> we can't. No way. Like, God has to work in them. I can't, I can't open their, soften their hearts to, like, to his word and to love what is good. It is something that he has to do in them. And so it might be the most important thing I need to do as a parent is I need to, I don't have a time where I'm praying to the Lord about my own sins. I'm not praying I'm not reading the scriptures and, and filling my mind with the scriptures and praying for my family and my children. If that's not happening regularly, that's the place to start. And if there's one thing to take, maybe those are, maybe those are the things to take from tonight. So, so worship on Sundays is non-negotiable. Develop your own spiritual disciplines. And then the third thing is this, is that repentance of sin begins with the parents. Repentance of sin begins with the parents. If kids grow up in our homes thinking, my parents are always addressing my sins, but they are not addressing their own, that's not going to make them love the gospel and love Christianity. And so repentance is a habit of life. It's not something we do once. It's not something we do every once in a while. God just took a bunch of sinners in your house and made them live together. There's going to be a lot of sin going on in there. There's going to be a lot of repentance going on from you and from the kids. And so repentance needs to be happening all the time. Repentance for anger. Repentance for working too much. Repentance for having a bitter and discontent spirit. Repentance for not engaging with the children and listening to them and talking to them. And uh, 
And I think starting with our own repentance. And there are things that are sins that we might not relate to. I mean, you imagine if you have a, um, a father or husband that's looking at porn. I mean, men have the capacity to compartmentalize their life and think this is something that's happening over here and my parenting of teens is happening over here. Not a chance. Of course, I mean, how do you think your conversations about lust are going to happen with your teen if you're looking at porn over here? That conversation's not going to happen because you know it would be hypocritical. How much kissing your wife's neck is going to be happening in front of your kids? And they're like, wow, my parents love each other. You know, it's going to be less. So what's happening over here is, could be the deepest thing that's affecting the parenting of teens. And so instead of a technique for how do I parent my teens, repentance of sin is the thing that needs to start. Or if, the, if your marriage is struggling and your kids are right there in a struggling marriage, repentance is not just... Naming it and apologizing, that's a part of it. That's the beginning of repentance. Repentance is saying, I need to enter into a process of putting this sin to death. And so if the marriage is struggling, I mean, the Bible says one of the biggest gifts you could give to your, to your teens is your marriage because it's a picture of the gospel, Christ's love for the church. It's the proclamation of the gospel. And if that's not working, Repentance means I need to talk to someone. I need to get a godly man or woman to come. Hey, can you come talk to us? Come talk to a pastor. Come talk to uh, um, a counselor and say, I, I need input. That repentance is the, most, is the most important thing. And it could be also, you know, one of the issues with, with teens is that, um, you know, there may be, you're building on things that have happened previously in your parenting. So you've been parenting for 15 years, and there may have been things that were neglected in those 15 years. You know, actually, I was just, this last year, I was reading a study. It's like a Harvard professor did a study of family life during the time of the Reformation. And uh, during the Reformation, actually, there were all these um, house father books that they would write, which I'd love to see one of these house father books. But it basically is a manual for how do you be the head of your household, and it's got everything from, like, how do you milk the cow to, you know, how do you discipline a child? And, you know, it just tells you all how to do it. And it's like, wow, that's pretty useful. And, um, but anyways, one of the things that the professor uh, pointed out is that, you know, the manuals all agree that, you know, parents can either be too harsh or too soft. But it's worse to be too soft. They all agreed that. Um, and we live in a culture of uh, undisciplined children. And... Uh, that's a challenging word for us. So that could be something that you, you're dealing with as a teenager. Starting place is repentance. Name it, admit it to God. And, and, and I'll tell you, the only way you can do this is if you believe the gospel. Your identity is in the gospel. Your, your identity is not that I was a perfect parent. You aren't. I'm just telling you right now, you're not a perfect parent. <laughs> you failed a lot of ways. You sinned a lot as a parent. Let's just take a deep breath and accept that. And my righteousness is in Christ. I am loved by God, and his blood has taken away all my failures as a parent. And now I can get on with repenting, naming my sins to, my to God, to my spouse, to my children. And so the beginning of, uh, and I think that's gracious. The, the Bible's gracious. Our culture is ruthless to, towards parents. I mean, we all know about our families of origin that we grew up in, and we're so hard on our parents, and now we're like, oh, I'm doing this, you know, it's all the same things, and I'm now I'm, I feel condemned myself because of that. 
The gospel is not like that. The gospel is gracious and invites you in grace to start with yourself. Okay. All right, so first part of Parenting Teens is we begin with ourselves. Worship's a non-negotiable. We need prayer in the scriptures. We need God's grace. We can't grace parent on our own strength. And repentance is a lifestyle. It's something that's happening all the time in our household, starting with the parents. Okay. Second thought for you. Share your life with your teens. Share your life with your teens. And uh, a couple scriptures for you. Uh, John 16, 15 says, all that the Father has is mine. Jesus says that. All that the Father has is mine. And then there's that line in uh, Luke, in uh, the prodigal son story, when the father's talking to the elder brother, and he says, all that is mine is yours. And uh, what this is telling us is that the life of the Trinity is shared life. All that belongs to the Father, all that is the Father's is the Son's, and all that's the Son's is the Father's. And actually, the the word for, you know, the Bible talks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's a koinonia. It's the root for that is koine, which is a shared life. You know, it talks about the church, that they had all things in common. They had, they shared everything. And I love the vision of shared life because what shared life is saying is not, you know, I'm going to sacrifice something so that you can have it. It's saying I'm going to sacrifice so that we can enjoy this together. You know, like Jesus did not die so that we could live. He died and rose again so that we could live with him and share in his life. He's not like missing out on it. He's sharing it with us and he's bringing us into it. And so I think uh, as teens, it's a real opportunity, now they're older, is to bring them in and to share our adult life with them. And so I have a couple thoughts on how to do that. So first is, I think share your real life with them. Share your real life with them. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Deuteronomy 6 here in the third point, and we'll, I'll talk about it a little more deeply. But one of the things that Deuteronomy 6 says uh, to do is you, the, one of the times you diligently teach your children is when you're walking by the way, when you go on walks. So that's something that I'll probably t- I'll talk a little more about that, going on walks. I go on walks with my boys. And I went, my son Henry, when he was 13, we were going to go on our first walk, and he was like, oh, great. He's going to lecture me for like 45 minutes on a walk. And, um, and so we went on a walk, and um, at some point along the walk, uh, I was like, Henry, um, uh, you should ask me how I'm doing. He's like, how are you doing, Dad? <laughs> and, uh, you know, at that time, I, many of you know, I had a a hard couple years, and, um, and I told him everything that I'd been through and issues I'd had in work. I told him, you know, the church hired a consultant, gave me a lot of feedback about being a manager, and these are some of the things that he told me and that I'm working on. And, uh, and you know, I told him about depression that I'd struggle with, and these are thoughts, you know, how I think about God through all of that. And so you got a 13-year-old kid hearing about his father going through hard things and trying to trust God 
through all that. And I'd ask him, I'd be like, you know, I can't, I can't remember exactly, but I, you know, I'd say, well, what do you think about this? You know, how do you think I should handle this situation? And he'd be like, well, you know, maybe you should pray or something. And I was like, yeah, you're right, I should pray. <laughs> and like, but you know, now he's like speaking into my life. I'm sharing, I want you to be in my life. I wanna share it with you. And, um, and I, it's treating him with such respect. And I'll tell you, you get to the end of that walk, he was like, that was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. You know, it was like, it was, uh, and it, you know, we know that's how it is. If you lead a, a small group and you want everyone to open up to each other, what do you got to do? You got to, as the leader, be the first one to open up. You got to open up about your life or no one else is going to open up about their life unless you open up first. And so when we do that, we are showing our children the gospel in real life. That it's not just this thing we go to church and it's this religion that we do. It is our very lifeblood. It's our breath. It's our food. It's how we live. And, um, and I think there's lots of ways to do this. You know, I, another example of bringing kids into our, our real life. I, my parents, I told my mom I was going to say this, but my, you know, my parents grew up in a generation where you didn't show your kids about your finances. And... Um, and I, just a few years ago, Craig Harris was an um, uh, intern here, and he, he was very good at budgeting. And we had lived month to month, and rough budget, you know, and, uh, and I was like, I need to learn how to do this. I was like 37, so he's my assistant pastor. I was like, all right, Craig, I'm going to show you all my finances, um, my credit card debt. And uh, it was a pretty vulnerable thing to... And he helped me out a ton. It was so helpful to do that. And then, uh, and so then I was like, well, I'm going to show my kids all our finances. And we do this thing called YNAB. It's You Need a Budget. It's a, uh, an app if you need a budgeting app. I love YNAB. And, uh, and one of the things you do in YNAB is when you get paid, you have this amount. Of, you have to give every dollar a job and a sign. This is what I'm going to spend every dollar on. So we brought Lucy and, and Will. We're like, all right, hey, we're going to show you where every dollar goes. So they see my paycheck, and they're like, whoa, you make, that's a lot of money. You know, you're a teenager. It seems like so much money. And then we start assigning the dollars to all, and they're like, oh, it's going away. It's like, <laughs> it's disappearing. And Lucy's on YNAB, though. She's 18, and she's way ahead. And it's like by seeing our real life, I'm going to share with you my real life. So I think I would, uh, now, I want to make one caveat about that. Um, your child is not your counselor or your pastor. And I think that that can happen. Um, you know, sometimes if a, a marriage is struggling and you say, I'm, I'm not having an emotional connection in my marriage and now I'm going to depend on the child for that, um, that's putting a burden on them that that's, that's not going to be healthy for them. And so, uh, so that, if, if that's the case, you got to focus on working on the marriage um, and so you've got to be alert to that. But I think it's a real uh, blessing to children to come into our real life. Okay. Um, a second thought about sharing your life with your teens, uh, I'll just spend a little time talking about this, is I think also sharing them with them the things that you love. And that's a real blessing. I know, you know, I, I, I play tennis with my kids. I've, I've maybe mentioned that in sermons. So I love playing tennis with my kids. And... Uh, um, or playing music, or camping, or hiking, and um, and I think uh, you know you have things that over your life you've learned that are really fun and enjoyable, 
And it might take a little of effort to structure it so your kids, your teens are a part of that, but they can really enjoy those things in new ways like they couldn't when they were young. And like right now, my son plays tennis. Um, I have some guys that I play tennis with that are better than me, you know? And so you're usually when you're playing tennis, you wanna play people who are better than you. But I have to give up those times and say, you know what, I can play with my son and it might not be as challenging of a match, but I'm getting to do something I love. It's working out. I'm spending time with him. And, um, and I think that you know, most of the things that are important in your life, whether you work out or whatever you do, you usually schedule it into your life. And I think that's a thought for you, is to schedule it with your teen. And um, I've always thought that, that like when relationships are important to me, they're scheduled into my life. I try to schedule them in. And uh, that might be something to do with your teens as a way to um, invite them into your life. So how am I doing? Is that 10 minutes? OK, I'm on my last point. All right, perfect. OK, all right, so begin with, we begin with ourselves. We share our lives with our teens. That's, that's the picture of the Trinity, is the Father and the Son sharing their life with each other. And so the last thought is, is making time to talk. Making time to talk. For, uh, and the verse I had for this is Psalm 116. It says, I love the Lord because he's heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. And this is a great verse about the beauty that God is the great listener. And, um, you know, I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer has something where he says, people complain that, like, they pray and God doesn't answer. And it's like, well, that's because he's listening. And he's, that's what good listeners do. They don't just talk back at you. They hear what you're saying. And, um, and I think listening is a... a deeply important part of parenting teens because, you know, what's our biggest fear about our teens is uh, what's happening in the darkness, right? What's, what are they thinking about? What are they doing in their room all those hours? Uh, what are they talking to their friends about? This is all hidden from us and creates fears as, as they retreat and maybe that place that we can't look into grows, that's one of the big fears that, and if it's not a fear as a parent of a teen, it should be a fear, like, well, and so um, the only way to find out is if they tell you. And I think there's only gonna tell you if there's a space to tell you and there's a listening ear to hear it. And I think also, as they tell us things, um, I think part of that is um, us not being shocked by sin or temptations. Uh, we have to, this was another thing Shannon was reminding me of a couple days ago as we were getting ready for this, is, is the importance in parenting teens to remember what it was like when we were teenagers. 
and we've been there, and so we're not shocked, like, oh, my teen's struggling, you know, with lust or whatever it is, and it'd be like, no, I don't remember that, I, or, or that they're lying, like, I remember lying, I lied all the time, and it's like, I know that's a temptation, you gotta repent and learn about that, but it's not like, wow, I'm so shocked that there's sin in my, in my child, we know that. And so um, I think one side note about that, um, so we have to, the importance of there needs to be space created where there's opportunity to talk. Um, And uh, I think one side note about this, a big part of the darkness in our world, uh, especially around teens, is the internet and technology. Um, You know, I I hope this goes without saying that your, your teens are being hunted online. Um, you know, if there's anything to be like, I need to know what is going on, it is computers, and they're being hunted by evil people who want to prey on them and want them addicted to sex. And, uh, and so just like, oh, I'm sure they wouldn't look at that. You're not remembering what you were like when you were a teenager. <laughs> And, 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 and just, and especially with uh, pornography and sex, like, we were made to be curious. We're made to, to see new things and, and be captured by them. And that's not their fault, but they can get sucked into it. There's all kinds of shame that causes it to be more hidden. And so um, that's probably a whole nother talk, and I'm not even sure I'm a technology expert, but if that's not an active part of your parenting is thinking about technology, it absolutely needs to be. And, um, and, you know, I think, I think people have different um, approaches with technology. We've, we've kind of done, our, our kids get phones when they're in high school. Um, and you might, you might do earlier. I'm not, the Bible doesn't say when they can get a phone. <laughs> so that's, that's up to you. I'm just, if, if, if it's helpful. Um, uh, and then we, you know, have that there's, there's no browser on there. We use Covenant Eyes uh, on our devices and things like that. Um, but one of the things about that is we tend to think that um, by the time the kid is 17, we want to pretty much have freedom for them while they're in the home. Because if at 18, they're going to have freedom. Or whenever they move out, if they're moving out at 18, they're going to have total freedom. And so you don't want to go from no freedom with technology to total freedom. You want freedom happening in your home so missteps happen and we were able to address that and talk through that and see where the you know, weak spots are. So that was, uh, if that's helpful. Um, so, but my main point is making time to talk so that we know what's happening in their lives. And so two things, two places for talk to happen, I think come from Deuteronomy 6. Um, so very important verse on discipling kids. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. Okay, that's starting with you, right? These words need to be on my heart. And then you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. Now, I think there's two different ways of reading that verse. Uh, On the one hand, it could be like, when do you talk about it? Well, all the time, when you're walking by the way, when you're sitting down, when you're going to bed, you know. 
I think that's one way. It should just kind of, as things come up, we talk about our faith and how it applies to life as it comes up. I think there's also some structure there that it's giving. Like, hey, these are certain moments in your day that God has set aside. It's almost like your day has a liturgy to it, an order to it, where you do certain things. And so when you sit down is at the dinner table. This is a time for talking um, and walking by the way. So I want to talk about those two briefly, okay? So first, um, at the dinner table, it's time for open conversation. And if anyone, if anyone has a thought on their mind, it's a good time to try to get a discussion going. Um, I'm going to share with you a little bit about how we do scripture reading, if this is helpful for you. If you're like, I'm trying to figure out how to get scripture discussion into my family. Um, I prefer to read less and, you know, think more deeply. So, like, we're reading through Romans right now. We read about a verse at a time. And this was two days ago. This, how often does this happen? I mean, I think when we have dinner, may, probably not every dinner, it's probably, if I'm honest, a couple times a week. I mean, I would love to do it nightly, but... Okay, I am. I'm just showing you the real. Somewhere between zero and 100% effective. All right. So a couple of times, maybe a couple of times a week, we have things, you know, there's sports and things that are going on, but, we're, but, but even a couple of times a week goes a long way. So this was uh, Romans 2.16, just a couple of nights ago. It just says, on that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. All right, so you, now for me, I would say at a discussion, I want to make time for the kids to talk. I want them talking. So one of the things is, is not, I don't consider it a time for lecturing. Even though I'm the pastor and I have tons of things I could say about this verse, I'm curious, what is the Holy Spirit saying to my kids about this verse? So I would just ask, well, what jumps out at you about that verse? Any, is there a word in that verse that you thought was meaningful? I thought secrets was meaningful. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why do you think it's talking about secrets? You know, I don't know. You, that's an interesting discussion. Why is it important that God's going to judge the secrets of men's hearts? What, you know, it's like, well, you know, a lot of sin happens in secret. Yeah, okay. Like, that's an important part of talking about being a teenager. Okay, what else is there? And, and just by reading this one verse, they're getting a doctrine of there's a final judgment coming. Now, we'd have a discussion I might not lecture at the end of the discussion. I am going to maybe make one statement. Children, I want to make clear, your whole life, you should be aware, you are going to stand before God and give an account for your life. And that should inform everything about the way you live. This is absolutely crucial information for you to have in your life. Okay? They were, like, silent like you guys are right now. Okay. All right. And that's, that was one sentence. I didn't need to go on and on about anything. That's all. All right. And now do the dishes. All right. So the dinner table, make it a time, a time to talk. And um, okay. The other thing is, is walks, right? And I think part of the reason I think walking is important. I, when I first read this verse, it says, when you walk by the way, you know, teach your children d diligently. And I was like, well, we don't walk by the way anymore. We drive in a car. And so I think well, we're going to try to drive in the car. And I found it hard to be like, okay, we're driving to school, and I got 17 minutes to talk about pornography, and let's go. So we get in the car, and it's like, how's porn going? You know, how's lust? You know, it's just totally awkward. I, I don't think the car ride, it doesn't work for me. 
And then, so I was like, I think you literally need to go on a walk. And walking has such a different pace to it. It's slow. You're not in a rush. You've got lots of time. Uh, and especially, you can start by opening up and say, hey, I'm going to tell you about what's going on in my life. Um, and then there's, a t there's time to ask some questions. How are you doing with lust? How is your faith in relationship with God? Remember, this is a time for listening. What are your hopes for the future? What are your gifts and passions? You know, what do you want to do for work? How are your friendships going? Do you have a crush? What do you like about her or him? How are you going to handle that? You know, what are the next steps forward? This is time to say, hey, I want to hear about, and I, I got nowhere to go. I'm here to be with you and hear about what's happening in your life. And again, let me just say it again, avoid lecturing. You might want to fill the air with your words. No, you want to hear their words. And, um, and I would say, you know, with my boys, particularly about lust, I just name it and say, hey, it's not like we go on walks to talk about how porn or lust is going. But we're going to talk about a lot of other things, but probably every talk we're going to have a check-in about lust. How is lust going? Like, let's just get that out so they know, all right, well, they can expect it. And... Um, and uh, it's, an, it's a crucial thing in our culture right now. So I think there's other ways to create space for talking. Sit, just sitting on the couch, turn off the TV. We're just around. We've got an hour. We've got nothing to do and let conversation happen. But that's really what needs to happen is creating space for talking. Um, and what you want is just a candid back and forth being candid with each other. I mean, that's what we do with each other as adults, and you're bringing them into that. And so um, I really think it's the gospel that, that creates this kind of culture, though. It's this Holy Spirit who opens up these conversations, and um, it's, it's the gospel where Jesus has shared his life with us. And uh, it's the God of the gospel who listens to us and teaches us to listen as well. So, all right, thanks for listening. I went longer than I was supposed to. All right. Yeah.